0: to What Are you ready to truck it? Welcome to What The Truck, live from Global Trade Week, right? Global yeah. Trade Week, exciting times. I'm
1: Dooner, here with... The dude, Michael Vincent, beautiful, I mean, I do mean beautiful winter day. Yeah. 70 degrees.
0: 72 degrees. Couldn't ask for better. Can't That's wait to gorgeous. get outside after the event. Amen. There, I'm sure you're enjoying it, too. A little, little thaw after last week's cool down. Oh God, no what kidding. a time to be alive. You know, if you're not familiar with this show, this show is called What the Truck. We are a podcast that is live three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, regularly scheduled at noon Eastern time, then available on demand on podcast players everywhere, as well as on TV. You can watch us live and in living Color. And one thing people know about this show is that we try and imbue as much pop culture or real world elements as possible into how freight works. And that's, that's one of the ways we deliver this to you. So today I was excited about our topic being CPG in retail because that's basically the easiest supply chain to explain to the layman out there, right? Because you see it. You go into the store. There's no toilet paper. You see the supply chain impacts. You try to buy that PlayStation 5 at Christmas time. It's not there. You understand about supply shortages is the easiest version to demonstrate.
1: It really is. And this year really brought it into brought it it into focus. I think there's a there's a, a huge percentage of population that didn't know what CPG meant. This time last year.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't think they <laughs> now, did. They're, now they're quite familiar. Well, and, and today we got to hear from the leaders this morning. And, and for those of you out there who are listening to this on demand, you can also catch all of the sessions from this event on demand. If you want it on audio, look up FreightCast on your favorite podcast player of choice. On that feed, you'll find every single Freight Waves podcast. It'll also be available on live.freightwaves.com, where you are right now, um, and tv.freightwaves.com as well. And in our Freight Waves TV app where you can watch it just like the show. But the theme that came out today was resiliency, right? As a cornerstone, that was a cornerstone of our keynote today. And it was interesting to hear how accounting for risk is taking precedence over efficiency. And that harkened a bit back to these conversations we were having at home in May, our first virtual event here about just in time versus just in case. Just in time versus just in case of uh, future proofing uh,
1: and and uh, I forget who it was that said, if, you're, if your uh, supply chain network looks the same after COVID than it did at the beginning, then you're in the wrong path. Uh, all kinds of crazy things, right? Um, Tom Madrecki, Madre- 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 mm-hmm. I'm sorry, easy for me to say, talking about collaboration, said, I mean, for example, we got more done in two weeks with our retailers than we did over the last 20 years when he was quoting a CPG executive yeah. during the pandemic. That's how
0: fast it sped things up. Yeah, I mean, we talk about medical and stuff, but CPG was as stress tested as anybody. So these conversations have been fascinating. Here's a quote, though. This wasn't from today's event, but it's a quote from David Smith, and he's the president and CEO at the Associated Wholesale Grocers. And tell me if this, uh, if this one shocks you a little bit. He says, what we found was that the number of items being sold declined by 18.5%. Now, that stuck out to me because we've talked so much about how e-com and retail purchasing had been booing the economy. But mm-hmm. he goes on to say consumers were much more precise on what they were buying and it causes us to think about the retail selling space that we have in our stores and being merchants and also our real estate digitally what we're promoting and what we're putting in front of the customer we're looking to improve the overall for the benefit of the industry and the benefit of the customer each location will have that secret recipe that it needs to match the needs of the customer so what they're saying is people are going in they're finding what they need they're being efficient hunters and if if those accessory items if those uh if those uh uh, impulse buys are not aligned well or are not near or not within eyes. You're not seeing people roam around the store as much, especially as they try to avoid people with COVID. Yeah, it, it
1: really speaks to a, a topic we've talked about a number of times on this show and on uh, mar- Mid-Market Update, the skew management, right? Yeah. And, and looking in- inward as a company and, and and you know, making sure you have the most efficient uh, – uh- variety if you will because people are targeted just like you said 18.5 percent less variance i guess in what they buy
0: and we saw mandalas do that early on last year early on during the pandemic they're one of the first giant companies we talked about that cut a ton of skews they're like we don't need uh 700 flavors of oreos we don't need all these different um cereals i personally like the choice i liked i gravitate towards the weird flavors but as someone who knows a lot about supply chain Every time I look at that, I'm like, oh man, this must be such a nightmare for the people doing entries and deliveries yeah. and even doing the stocking and the SKU management.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You're exact. The marketers love it. Yeah. The people who have to come through it at the inventory and supply
0: chain guidance are like, okay, can we cut back the SKUs to maybe half a million? Yeah. <laughs> we have some we have some big news to get there, but before we get to the news, let's give something away. You guys want us to give something away? We've promised all these prizes for free registration. We've been giving them away. You might feel a little left out. Well, feel left out no longer. Will Cowbell Roll please? The winner of an Apple TV 4K is none other than Blue Yonder's Terrence Luang. He's their senior director in solutions marketing. Congratulations, a little cowbell for you. We are going to look so handsome. On that Apple TV 4K. Oh my gosh! Yeah, right.
1: he can't even believe it. I mean, when I do my eyebrows, he's going to be able to yeah. see it in
0: all its glory. So here, yeah, you thread those things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> hard to see with the glasses on. All right, let's talk for a second here about some some of these news headlines because there's some great ones today. One of them is is really curious. It says consumer groups, some consumer good group lobbies for federal air traffic controller for for trucks, and this took me back a little bit. John Gallagher he reports that the consumer packaged goods industry wants the federal government to get involved in initiatives that measure freight demand. Currently uh, currently they want, it's only deployed in the private sector. You can look at things like that in what, FreightWave Sonar, right? Yep, ab- absolutely. Well, they're asking for this to be on a federal level and they want to get a better picture of, of um, capacity. What, what else is going on here with this?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> one of the focus areas was assessing ways to optimize freight movement over national transportation networks, particularly in the trucking sector. Transportation makes up more than 40% of the total freight logistics in the country. The study noted, and the transportation accounts for the largest share of order cycle time variability, right? Mm. Once it gets in that cycle time, good or bad, we see that Peloton, you know, they got to spend a ton because of this type of, and they're not the only ones. One way to tackle those costs would be to devise a highway traffic control system that is similar to the air traffic control system regulated by the FAA.
0: It seems a little bit more complicated than that. And we know a thing yeah. or two about data. But yeah. one thing that was, it was interesting and one thing that I would like to see is the CBA re- recommended creating a White House office of supply chain. That's big news for all of us in supply chain. We're hearing about corporations put in chief supply chain officers. We're hearing about education taking this more seriously. And in the White House, having a chief supply chain um, or you know a, an office of the supply chain, that would be fantastic as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's the point. I'm glad that you brought that up because that that is the takeaway that I had as well. Yeah, that's really the collaboration and policy, and really having a strong between the different uh, departments in the government, a strong collaboration with the private sector and supply chain is is sorely needed for sure.
0: Yeah, that aspect of the story, I'm all on board with. Amen. Um, here's another one: Square post strong Q4 full yearly earnings, and they've also purchased 170 million dollars in Bitcoin. Now, last week we heard about, or maybe it was two weeks ago, Tesla had. Their big purchase of Bitcoin. Um, up until the dip that happened yesterday or the the day before, they were they were doing really well. I think they're still a but that's up around like fifty thousand now, so they're still doing pretty good. But um, he's saying the payment services they put they've they've done fantastic. Square right, their Q4 2020 Mm. gross profit. Of 804 million, it was 52 percent year over year. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we're running a little short on time on headline lines, so let's get to this one about Instacart as yeah. well. Because Instacart has robots coming out, and they have a delivery expansion coming with Walgreens. Financial Times reports that for almost a year, Instacart has been researching ways to automate the picking process. Right mm-hmm. last spring, Instacart sent out a proposal requests to at least five different companies that offer robotic systems that would pick goods for purposes built inside of dark warehouses instead of store shelves. So uh, all these Instacart drivers could just go to a, um, a, basically a, a distribution center. It's almost like we got this far with the technology that they go to the store, and now we're, now we're de-evolving it to where it can be the most efficient, which might be out of these DCs.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the news has some skittish that, that Instacart could be looking to go it alone and ditch their grocery partners. Uh, but, you know, when you look at Amazon, is that really off? Uh Unreason- when you, you took a look at kind of all the shopping, stocking, and habitual data, it, it makes kind of sense, right? It's not completely unreasonable.
0: Yeah, if you think about the data, like just take into consideration the amount of data that Instacart has. I don't know how many of you used it during the pandemic. I didn't until the pandemic, but then right. I used it. In the beginning, I used it quite a bit. I stopped after a while. But in the beginning, I was using it. I was using it a lot. And if you think about it, they know exactly what you order. They know exactly how often you replenish. They know where you're ordering from. They know where you're ordering your spread from. So which other stores, because they don't have the items, they can put that all in a warehouse. If hmm. I'm a if I'm a re- if I'm a uh, grocery store, I'm sort of like, hey, wait a second. Are they a friend or are they a foe? Yeah, exactly.
1: Will they or won't they? I well, was he- asked that question about somebody else before. You know they who's will-
0: not afraid of it though? Walgreens. Walgreens is doing is expanding their on-demand delivery service with Instacart to eight thousand stores and you can get you can get what is it over ten thousand items delivered from them everything from over-the-counter uh medicine health and wellness all of that kind of stuff dry groceries delivered by from instacart in as fast as an hour if you're within those service areas
1: yeah it sounds like a reasonable thing to do is is uh look into the disruption grab it with your arms and see if you can't uh make some money out of it and, and stay undisrupted yeah right and i mean it's it's not a bad play to go in there and do that in my in my opinion uh play
0: both sides you know who knows a little bit about big box stores our next guest it is greg forbus he's senior (laughs) vp strategy and business development over at rjw logistics he spent years with sam's club years with walmart now he's over with rjw and today he's right here with us now greg thank you so much for joining us at global supply chain week
2: hey good morning guys glad that thanks for having me with you this morning
0: now that's a tr- we couldn't help but notice that tremendous background you have. So before we even get into what you're doing with RJW, can you tell us some of the takeaways and what you learned working in places like Walmart and Sam's Club? Those seem like very demanding roles.
2: Yeah, you know what? Um, this by the way, this building is an old building built back in the early '40s in downtown Bentonville, right off the square. So it's got some pretty cool motif behind me. But uh, yeah, so working in the retail industry. I mean, so many different lessons you learn from supply chains to understanding really what CPG companies like to do and how they need to do it and how they go to the store, how they go to the shelf uh, has been a lot of great learnings for me. And then just a chance to be around uh, phenomenal leaders, whether it was a Sam Walton, a David Glass, or even a Doug McMillan, um, just be able to watch those folks work and learn and see how they learn and how they just continue to grow in their own careers.
1: Yeah so you know that Greg we were just talking about uh one of the headlines here with uh with Walgreens uh getting uh, you know right. embracing the Instacart possible disruption here that I, I think will happen I'm sure it is happening mm-hmm. uh but that kind of uh it leads to the to this question of single versus uh, multi uh, location yeah. in in CPG, right? Because they're they'd be using yeah. a black or a dark warehouse and their own storefronts as well. Can you talk to the advantages yeah. and disadvantages of that within the CPG yeah. Uh,
2: vertical? Yeah, sure can. Um, you know, I think for for a lot of CPG companies, when you think about how you go to retail and how you face retail. If you're a large company, you're going to want to be in multiple locations, right? You're going to kind of control your own destiny. You're probably ordering in truckload quantities uh, with that retailer, and you're going to have a lot of SKUs that you're going to be able to deliver truckload. Fastest, most economical method to deliver in. If you're amidst the smaller CPG company and you're looking at your supply chain, you're saying, hey, I want to focus on sales. I want to focus on marketing. Maybe I need to look towards one location versus multiple locations. I'm paying the freight bill. I'm going to be in control of my own inventory. I'm not going to have to have duplicate SKUs in two or three locations, uh, which just adds a lot of complexity when you think about the replenishment model and how you're trying to get goods fast to shelf. And, well, maybe I'm out of SKU A here, but I've got too much in SKU B on the opposite side of the country. Now i got to transfer in between. So I'm going to look at one location. I'm going to reduce my redundant warehouse costs. I'm going to look to my provider to do all that work for me. And ultimately, I'm going to be faster to the shelf because I don't have to worry about how much I have in one location versus another location. And I'm going to have a very simplified inventory replenishment strategy for that retailer.
0: You know, working at Walmart, you must have had, in Sam's Club, you must have had a ton of different SKUs to deal with. I, I can't even imagine the number. Over a ton of different types of freight. I mean, you're talking everything from milk to to dumbbells to to 80-inch TVs. Um,
2: exactly. Right.
0: Mode of transportation becomes vital, though, when you have this major variety of freight. And more and more CPG stores are, are diversifying the types of goods they sell, which means that's diversifying the type of freight. How important right. is yeah. mode of transportation? And are these retailers making the right decisions when picking that or these CPG companies?
2: Yeah, I think, I think when you really step back and look at a big box retail location, and say you've got 100,000 SKUs inside that big box location, or even a, even a club store, right? You, you may have four or 5,000 SKUs. You, there are so many SKUs that don't order truckload. It's not your water, your paper, your pet food that you can order in nice full truckload quantities. And so now you're dropping down to less than truckload, or in, in some cases, you're looking at small parcels. And so as you drop down, you know, in, in a smaller mode, you're going to have a more expensive cost to serve, right, being the supplier into that retailer's, into that retailer's distribution center. So you want to look for how do I gain efficiencies, And are some of those efficiencies potentially, hey, could I look to somebody that could do my consolidation for me, marry me up with another 300 suppliers as part of their program, and now I'm going to be able to take my small, my small parcel costs and my LTL costs now I'm sharing uh, part of that truckload with another 300 suppliers, and now I'm moving in truckload. And so I have the ability to reduce, really reduce my cost to serve to the retailer and come, come in with some really high on-time service and and save me some money in the long run that I could potentially pass on to that retailer who then could then pass it on to your customers on the shelf.
1: So, Greg, let's, let's say that I'm a shipper and I'm in the CPG space, right? And I, I really know my business. I'm doing well. But how important, let's talk about the importance of picking my, my, my partners when it, becomes, when it comes to uh, intermediators, three, 3PLs. How important is it to not just yeah. pick any 3PL that can give me LTL and truckload and air and all this kind of stuff, but those that specialize yeah. in CPG?
2: Yeah, great question. I, I, you know, I think that the piece of when I step back and I think about a CPG partner, number one, if you're, if you're, if you're a large company, you, you already understand the inner workings of that retailer, right? If you're medium to maybe a smaller size CPG company, you may not understand all the intricacies of what that retailer needs. And when I say intricacies, every one of them has packaging standards, right? They've got a 300-page shipping and routing guide that somebody's got to go through and interpret. Um, They've got a label placement um, that it's important for how their system works. And they're going to want it on certain pallets and et cetera. So I think it's important when you look at the 3PL space, look for a provider that can provide you insights into that retailer that really understand the inner workings, understand that shipping and routing guide, so you're not having to fill in the blanks uh, and understand and understand the packaging. Understand you know what's what's going to get me a fine at the end of the day, and how do I eliminate those fines and penalties if my label's not placed properly or my shipment's not on time? So I think that's imperative to really understand what that retailer does and how it does it. You'll be more successful. If you're more successful, then you're going to sell more. You're going to get more shelf space. Ultimately, you're going to grow your line inside the retail.
0: You know, you just mentioned it there with those with those billings and those chargebacks mm-hmm. for putting on labels wrong. And you have experience right. with this being at Walmart. They have their uh, what right. supplier quality excellence program. I think they're calling the SQEP. But to everybody who's right. delivering to them, that that acronym may as well be FEES because all they're seeing is fees, <laughs> fines, and chargebacks. Is, they're demanding, and so is and so is right. Amazon, and and everyone's getting more demanding. while well, right. supply chains are getting more stressed. So, um, how right. important is it to have a partner that really understands? Because these fees can really add up, can't they?
2: Yeah, they they sure can. And you can you can realize whether you've a product's been misreceived incorrectly because of how the three PL or however the your consolidator shipped it on your behalf. Now you've got a penalty, right? Now if you're late, you've got a penalty. So it's really beginning is to partner with a three PL that looks inside and understands what that program looks like, right? You mentioned it. Um, Amazon's got one. Target's got one. Meijer's got one. They've all got a different type of program. I think to understand the intricacies and then be able to to really fit into what that retailer is looking for, Walmart's a great example, right? Um, They've got strict packaging standards. They want you to, you want item accuracy to be super high and that drives everything within their supply chain. And what you really want at the end of the day is for your product to hit that distribution center and go right to the store and from the store, right to the shelf. Anywhere there's a miss with a bad label or a bad packaging Uh, or a barcode that's not a fixed right, or an ASN that doesn't hit in a timely manner, you're going to slow down the product. And so what retailers really want ultimately with these fines and these penalties is they want stuff to flow freely, right, and get there on time and in full so that it's on the shelf for the customer when you and I go to buy the product at
1: our local store. Excellent stuff, Greg. So we were earlier talking about SKU management uh, and and looking at the targeting of people. Can you talk about SKU rationalization and how important that is?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's become super important, and it's probably more important in the last year. Really, you know, you look back about a year ago, about this time, right? When we when we really saw just this big pop, and these exploit and these um, suppliers saw just explosive growth on certain skus within just a, qu- a quick two week period. I think uh, CPG companies quickly realized, and I think you you mentioned it earlier that you know, hey, I don't need thirty flavors of of Oreos or 20 different flavors of bottled water on the shelf. Really, when I look at my items, I may have 10 items and two of them are driving 80% of my sales. And so uh, they've really begin to say, pull back and say, hey, I don't need this long tail anymore. I've got enough of that on hand. That's going to last me three, four weeks into the process. But at the same time, I'm going to pull back manufacturing those, put all my manufacturing in these top two SKUs. And really drive what's on shelf and maximize my store sales. I think the other two the other pieces really think about consumers are changing their behavior, right? Um, I don't I don't shop like I used to shop a year ago, and so I'm going to pivot a little bit. And now maybe I'm looking at when I buy online, maybe I want a case instead of one bottle, right? Maybe I maybe I want six or twelve instead of two. So I'm thinking more about a stock up trip. I think the CPG companies that really pivoted quickly to really get back in stock on the shelf for the consumers really looked at skew rationalization. You know, you had skew proliferation, right? The opposite of that that's creeped in over the many years. And I think uh, a lot of CPG companies that have stepped back and said, hey, I can't do it all. Maybe I do this small part and I do it really well are the ones that are going to be successful, I think, in the long run going forward.
0: Greg, thank you um, so much for joining us on the show. We, we appreciate, um, we appreciate your, your, your time with us. And I like that you co-signed a lot of what we, you, we said before you came on. It makes right. us look a lot smarter up here. If people want to <laughs> if, if connect with you and, and learn more, where should we send them to? Yeah,
2: uh, www.rjlogisticsgroup.com is our website. Um, we, can, we can learn a lot more about our company uh, and, and help you with your consolidation and your retail needs.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, Grace right. doesn't Grace doesn't agree with us that that they should be cutting the skew. She's on my side. She said she loved. She doesn't know what she loved more, the Game of Thrones Oreos or the Lady Gaga Oreos. Well,
1: hey, some people love that variety. It's, they're they're looking at it completely from efficiencies and and and, and yeah. economics. Right. Well, I like a
0: taste efficiency, and one of my favorite ones was the Cherry Cola ones. They put Pop Rocks on it. <laughs> it was delicious. It was delicious. Well, let's talk to Mark Peterson now. He's the SVP of Business Development over at Trinity Logistics, and I think we'll talk a little. Bit about cold chain with him and how that factors into retail and cpg so let's bring him up mark thank you for joining us at global supply chain week hey guys
3: thanks so much for ha- having me uh big fan enjoy your show oh thank you awesome. hey, what's
0: uh, what's behind you going on there it looks like you got a lot of either medals or awards or pictures or something <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's pictures i so being in sales i, I used to travel quite a bit um at, but now that i'm uh hold up it apparently my office is where my wife hangs all the pictures that uh need to find a home in the house so
1: i've got quite a collection going nice it looks like a masters flag is that what i see up there it
3: is yeah yeah spot uh, was our uh, annual company entertainment so i was lucky enough to to go about eight, eight uh, nine years in a row <laughs>
1: Excellent. So, uh, can you, Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Trinity Logistics, and let's get in, let's dive into cold chain and talk about the intricacies that are there.
3: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd love to. So, so Trinity uh, actually was uh, started about forty-two years ago uh, as a brokerage, and then um, in twenty nineteen we were uh, we joined the Burris family of companies. So, um, for those of us that that um, you know specialize or focus on on food and cold chain it was it was just a match made in heaven so you know being able to have that kind of fully integrated offering is is extremely exciting
0: yeah i mean cold chain is such a delicate thing i used mm-hmm. to work in perishables perishable fish air freight um i would have nightmares i'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking like oh no my fda clearance didn't come through or something like that it it can be a nightmare especially in food very very demanding customers right you i mean you think you're delivering hearts but how important is cold chain to to retailers and in cpg and picking the right partners too that align well with what you need delivered
3: oh it's extremely important you know and i think just you know the last year and a half two years has shown us you know that that uh, importance in chain and and so um, it's not just, you know, the experience in the background, but, but making sure that, that you're focused on, on, um, safety and compliance and sanitation and understanding that it's not just that, that, you know, a delay or a mistake is going to cost you, um, you know, violate a safety reg, uh, you know, this, this is, um, uh, uh, hits right to health and shelf life and, food waste. And and ultimately it's, you know, it's going on the plates that feed my kids and your kids and our families and everything else. So really, really crucial stuff.
1: It really is. And I can attest to that. I, I told the story before where I had an entire 40 foot container of smoked fish fumigated when it hit Barbados once because I loaded tires over top of it. So I can attest <laughs> that knowing what you're doing will Great save idea. people money. <laughs> uh, can we talk about um, so when you talk about experience, you need the people that know what is going on. Right. And that would kind of implies that they need to have complete control of shipment. Are there benefits of both asset and non-asset when you're talking about this type of thing?
3: Incredible benefits, you know. I haven't spent time, you know, on both sides. Uh, started out in the Union LTL, you know, world, and and thought that's all there was, and and then you know you see this big world of of three PL and brokerage and asset and asset light and non asset, and I think having all those uh, options to deploy is is you know gives you a significant advantage. Assets are great, but but look, there are some limitations. There's only so many trucks, and they can only be in so many places. Uh, so having that, that flex capacity of, of the 3PL side, uh, is, is just astonishing. Now, now, of course, that comes with the, the baggage or the, you know, necessity of making sure that you're picking the right carriers, the right providers, you know, that your partners, just like you pick your, your, you know, shipper partners, you need to do deep discovery. And I think that's something that really sets us apart is, is we really treat them just like, Uh, a normal customer and go through a a fairly exhaustive discovery process. Uh, um, You know, a lot of the, these fleets uh, handling, you know, food and cold chain are are fairly small, you know, uh, five truck and under uh, in many cases. And so really getting in there and understanding what they're doing and what their needs are and where they want to go and asking them, you know, the right questions and making sure that they have reefer shutdown insurance or, uh, I swung by, a, a, you know, one of our carrier salespeople qualifying, uh, a, you know, a carrier not too long ago and, and asked them, you know, do drivers carry a, a pulp thermometer? Uh, and they said, oh, you know, what's that? Well, obviously, you know, that's not somebody that can haul proteins for us. So, you know, those kind of things are, are crucial. And, um, and it's such an exciting time because now we have that ability to kind of take that good tribal knowledge that you develop. And convert that into an accessible system where our entire network can kind of see and piggyback on those, those lessons learned.
0: You know, so the dude and I have both worked in freight operations, mm-hmm. but we've also worked in sales. And yep. if you've ever gotten a sales call, a lot of times one thing you'll hear is, I will only work with asset-based, right? And that can yeah. stymie you, especially if you don't have assets. Uh, how do you convince the how do you convince a a shipper that the the right alignment can be non acid based and that can be the right choice
3: absolutely i think it's it's really um solving their problems you know is the easiest way to do it so so uh, articulating correctly how each model works uh benefits and um uh, you know uh, non benefits but um I, I think it's all about the communication so um, finding the solution, and they're all custom. You know that cookie cutter. We've seen kind of size and scale be replaced by speed and agility in terms of the solutions that that we're offering. And so, um, understanding that customer, I think, is the key, and staying close to our customer. You know, the the last year and a half through through the pandemic, you know, Trinity really hit the ground. Running and, and I, we didn't obviously plan for what happened. It was more for the next polar vortex or one of those type of things. But uh, having everybody that could could go remote, you know, at a very you know quick notice was crucial. Um, and I think you know it's allowed us to stay close to our customers. In fact, some sometimes too close. Now we've all become. <laughs> You know, video stars, and and as my mother told me, I got a face for radio. So, you know, I don't think I'll ever get used to seeing myself. But, um, you know, and we've also taken, uh, you know, pains to make sure that our team members are comfortable with the technology and the kind of new way of of meeting and uh, communicating. You know, we try to do a lot of uh, business reviews with our customers, whether those are quarterly or annual or monthly, whatever that uh, is required. Uh, And what I keep hearing is, look, we we talk to you plenty, (laughs) you know, too much. We don't need. And and so that's kind of an exciting byproduct of of the whole situation.
1: Yeah, you're much more intimate with the needs and and concerns of of your of your customer over the last year. You have any other stories or any changes that you've seen over uh, the last year and how uh, Trinity has, has, you know, dealt with this last year over 2020 and 2021 this far into this year?
3: A- absolutely. So some of the things are, again, like any business dynamic, we're seeing a lot uh, younger team members coming in and, and balancing those kind of uh, old dogs like me and, and you know, the kind of new um, uh, workforce. Uh, and it's all about change management, you know, staying in front of it, communicating, you know, what's happening, what's going on. Uh, and we've really seen like in, in the cold uh, food and beverage cold chain, we've seen uh, shipment size reduce, you know, some of that, uh, uh, of course, driven by that, that instant gratification or not being able to get out and, and buying in smaller quantities. So we've seen a lot of, you know, we've done a lot of creative things with, um, um, you know, consolidation, LTL consolidation, especially in the uh, reefer, you know, uh, LTL space. Um, you know there are you know, not quite as many options as there are on the dry side, so that 's exciting and and probably our our fastest growing segment is our uh direct to consumer fulfillment our e commerce you know side where people want those boxes of meals and and you know the convenience factor uh to go straight to people 's homes so that 's booming and and that 's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, you know, I was so I was on Amazon and I ordered these protein bars that by no means or measure needed to be refrigerated, but each time I order them, they send them to me in a box with dry ice that has to be put in the refrigerator i'm like this much cost them so much money and it might be someone just like click the wrong box when categorizing this skew oh wow uh, you know they come in dry ice it, it makes no sense but now i've started putting those ones in the fridge i mean they do taste better <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but it, it's costly man everything's getting more costly um we are running out of time here but if we want to send people oh. over in your direction to connect with you if they have more questions they want more answers they want to use your services where do we send them
3: uh, TrinityLogistics.com or Mark.Peterson at TrinityLogistics.com. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for Mark, joining us on the air today. Think Mark
1: is welcome back, too, because he agrees with a lot of things we said today. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I said, it's always great when they <laughs> co-sign
0: what, what we're saying. Yeah, because, absolutely. I, I mean, people probably turn this on. They're like, who are these two morons? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> these guys have to do it. Hey,
0: collectively up here, right? Let's pull, <laughs> let's pull like a venture capital thing. Collective experience, tribal knowledge up here <clears> is 16 years of supply chain experience for me. You got what? 33 years. Yeah. 49 years of watching experience. So, Yeah. Smart team up here. A little bit. Maybe. Maybe. Only sometimes. Wicked smart. Wicked smart team. Wicked smart team. You know who's a wicked smart guy? Alan Adler, or Alan Adler as normal people would call him. He's our Detroit Bureau Chief over here at Freight Waves. Alan, thank you for joining us. And you're back in the dojo.
4: I am. You you love that, don't you? Those are Shanghai panels, my friend. That's where they came from. I like a good Shanghai.
0: I like a good Shanghai panel. Now, I got to ask you something, though, because Bitcoin has been such a hot topic this week. And I just saw this tweet that said, sure, Bitcoin is a hell of a drug. But over the last two years, Luka Donica rookies have outgrown Bitcoin by more than 100 points. A Luka rookie card, this is a like a, a basketball card, has gone up 1,414 percent versus Bitcoins 1,306 percent.
4: Should we all be buying freight and baseball cards now? I, I, you know what? It, it's it's definitely a lot of new money coming in. I checked with my buddy the other day I buy from, and he tells me that there's a lot of new money coming in, just like there is in SPAC, just like there is in, in Bitcoin. Uh, so, yeah, I, I looked up the 55 uh, Hank Aaron the the 1955 second year, and it has gone up incredibly. I bought one a few years ago, it has a paper tear in it, so it's a defective card. Wow. But, oh, my gosh, $3,000, $5,000 for a second year card. Can you believe this? A little
0: terror is keeping him from being like a, a multimillionaire.
1: Yeah. So what do you? So Alan, what do, you, do you, you? You got anything crazy like a shoeless Joe? You got a shoeless Joe Jackson, nineteen fifteen no, Cracker Jack, or anything? I've
4: got a lot of fun stuff. I really do.
0: Cool. Alan, you saw Thomas Healy on the show. He was on Mondays. If you guys missed that, look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player of choice. You can listen to that episode on demand, or you can look it up on FreightWaves.com under under What the Truck. But he was talking about that battery. It's eight-minute charge time. Sounds really cool. Is yeah. it as cool as it sounded to us?
4: Look, a couple of things about that. Those are smaller batteries than the standard big battery that most commercial vehicles get um so could it be a breakthrough yeah it, it could be and and i'm not i'm not a battery expert chemistry wise uh you know i talked to him back in oh, late last year about that battery a, a little bit and some of the things they hope to accomplish um Toshiba, as you remember had some issues with with batteries and laptops a few years ago and mm-hmm. uh so they're not one of your big four battery people right now um but goodness from what he's saying it sounds like they're checking the boxes
1: yeah, to me, it sounded like something that fit really well right into their technology. I'm no expert, but the the quicked rap, the rapid charge, but it's also rapid dissipation. Mm. But you, they've got that continuous generation on on board with the RNG, right? Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of how it fits in there really well with their stuff.
0: Alan, speaking of the batteries, batteries go ahead. I was going to sure. say, speaking of batteries, because Thomas kind of mentioned this, we just didn't have enough time to get into it. He was talking about how batteries degrade over time, and all of us, you know, we have an iPhone or a cell phone, and you know mm. that after two years, three years, it, you know, it starts to really suck, right? I mean, it really just does not hold the charge that well. Is this going to be a problem when we talk about electrified trucks, and is this going to shorten their lifespan?
4: Uh, probably not, because most of the most of the batteries, starting with you know electric cars, and moving on up into trucks, are probably about an eight-year life cycle. Um, if a truck is on the road for ten years. Uh, you might have an issue later on, but you're going to get through two, two trade cycles, right? Four, five years the first time, maybe a little less the second time. So I don't think it's going to be a, a terribly big deal. The real important thing, and this is where I think uh, Healy's is on, on point, is the idea of getting that charging time down and the uptime up, that is how much you can run. Um, I've been working a lot. In um, fact, I've got a thing uh, on auto day this week in, in the supply chain with uh uh, with Lionel Selwood, who's the CEO at, at Romeo Battery, and uh, they're looking at a lot of uh, up-and-comers. Uh, in addition to that, sort of big four that make batteries. Um, the, the whole the holy ground here really is going to be uh, greater energy density, you know, holding more juice and and longer range, and then quick recharge. So everybody's chasing the same the same rabbit on that one.
1: So, Alan, I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about Workhorse Group and uh, the fact that day traders are kind of passing by on them after they lost their contract to, with the postal, uh, USPS. Uh, after, I mean, to Oshkosh, which I, how did they lose to a company that makes overalls? I don't understand.
4: <laughs> That's the other Oshkosh. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> right. Now it makes sense. Sorry, D- disregard the question. <laughs> now, this guy, this Oshkosh actually makes the uh, replacement for the Humvee, uh, right. the uh, the M1. Uh, Defense contractor. OK, so a couple things on this. Uh, one, uh, over two days now, workforce is down about 50 percent. That bubble was going to burst at some point, uh, whether they got the Postal Service contract or not. But but as, as the months moved on, as the administration changed, um, Trump became less of a factor in this, even though the joy at the Postal Service is a carryover appointment. Uh, you know, the idea that this thing went to a company in Wisconsin, if you think about what happened in the recent election, there's some political overtones there. And then there's also uh, the, the idea that Oshkosh has been in business as a, as a you know, stand-up outfit. A workhorse has a lot to prove, quite honestly, in terms of what it can do and not do. And uh, you know, so, so I think it's a, it's a tough one for them. Um, obviously, the analysts are cutting estimates now. Uh, there's people saying, hey, good time to be a short seller, uh, that, that sort of thing. Although I would think anybody that was short yesterday did really well.
0: Yeah. You, you, another. Speaking of retail traders, Robin Hooders, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Nicola been a bit of a whipping boy for the retail traders. And this week they put out that video where uh, they're moving the tray, uh, which is a what is it? A VECO with a wrap on it. They're moving the tray. And the whole time it never actually drives. It's on, it's being it's being pushed. And it, I, I got to. I get to some of the people online It did seem a little bit tone deaf. But what's going on with the tray is, is Nicola on the path to success here with this thing. Or are they just trying to make this backup plan work?
4: Well, I think, you know, they, they did change the plan, right? Do you know what I mean? It, w- what they originally told us, you know, a couple of years ago was we're going to make fuel cell trucks here. We're going to make a battery electric truck in Europe. Well, then they sort of kind of changed that up a little bit. And so now the tray, uh, the, the what, what is a cab over truck, um, is here. It's coming here. They're going to build it in Germany. They're going to build it here in low volumes this year uh, as an electric vehicle. And they're going to do a couple of, uh, apparently a couple of prototype fuel cell trucks off of it. To give to Anheuser Busch, this being CPG Day, uh, I checked in this morning with Anheuser Busch to make sure they were still on board. They are; they're, they're still they're still in in uh, uh, you know in partnership with Nikola. So at least that uh, has hung out uh, has hung on. Uh, obviously, Nikola's lost some customers and has lost some esteem and things like that. Um, it, it's interesting that they did talk yesterday about the uh, sleeper cab fuel cell truck, though the 900 miles of range and that kind of thing. The one thing you didn't talk about though, and I, maybe I was, the one to write this is uh, where are the customers and who are they? Because they haven't changed their number of reservations since about April of 2019. And they're sticking with that 14,000 number, which at the time was just fuel cells. Hmm. So I'm not sure who's going to buy the Nicola tray. Uh, You know, they're going to need to obviously prove it out. And uh, you know, if Anheuser-Busch is still on board, that's a good thing, right?
1: Yeah. The tray is a cab over right Alan? Yeah. That's, that's the, correct. That's yes. the Cabo and the other one. So they did roll out uh, the, their timeline, though, of when these things are going to produce. And I think the tray is like next, uh, 2023, I think it is, like Amazing. two years, uh, yeah. so, something like that. I looked at the timeline,
4: but I forget what the exact number was. Can you go through that and how realistic that looks to you? I, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, I, I think, you know, they will be doing some, uh, you know, hand-built versions in Arizona this year, uh, probably by second quarter. Um, I think you'll see some test trucks in 2022 and then production in twenty three. Uh, for the for the BEV and then uh, actually the BEV probably late next year and then in 23 you'll see some fuel cell versions of the tray uh, apparently and then in 24, uh, end of 24 you'll get to the, the full sleeper cab uh, version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's assuming everything goes right and they sell some trucks and they build some hydrogen stations. Lots going on there.
0: The company is still valued at, at a lot, and this is a company that is. Um, Sachwee states that it's more of a business plan than than a company that actually might have been in, in your, your article, a quote in your article. I'm not, I can't remember correctly. I get like so much, we get so inundated with so much information oh, these yeah. days, Alan. <laughs> but would you agree? Is it more of a business plan than an actual executable product right now?
4: Today, it is. The, the one thing I think Nicole has going for it, you know, is is the uh, is the idea that it's gotten rid of distractions. We we talked about this a lot. I mean, who remembers the Badger? Right. Badger's gone. There's no Badger anymore. There's no nickel one anymore. Uh, What they're doing is they're trying to show a sense of purpose, I think, that that takes them out to let them get where they need to go. And they basically convinced Wall Street that that that's the plan. So, yes, it's a business plan today. And everybody's pretty impatient, myself included, saying, you know, show me, show me. Um, Right now, they seem to be on track and they haven't completely tanked as, you know, some of us thought might happen. Right.
0: Alan, we're going to ask you a uh, stupid question, but it's going to be in your wheelhouse. It's, I think this is a great question. Oh yeah, it could be a good because I, I guess a lot of people would be curious. What you all know what you do when you run out of gas, right? But what would you run out of battery? Got to so, ask the expert. I think this is valuable information. Okay, so maybe it's not. There are no stupid questions. No. Would you rather run out of gas in an ICE uh, vehicle, right, an internal combustible engine, or a bat or run out of battery in a BEV, a battery electric vehicle, in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> what, what do you do? No, would you rather? Oh. Which one would you rather
4: run out of fueling? Wow. Gee, I wasn't expecting that one guys. I don't, I'd rather not run out of either. Can I have that? That's an uh-huh. option, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know what? I, I guess I don't know. I, I would say that today. I would still want it to be some kind of liquid fuel because I could get some, uh, the charging issues are huge. Right. And especially for commercial, I was, I had a chance to talk to uh, Roger Nielsen. He's retiring as CEO, this name drop here of Daimler this week. And, uh, uh, he was explaining that, you know, the, the state of commercial charging is really, really behind, right? Uh, mm. You know, especially fast charging for, for these trucks. Now, we don't have a lot of trucks right now. You're still talking in the hundreds. Um, he gave me a couple of interesting numbers. I thought he expects that medium-duty trucks at Freightliner will be uh, 30% electric by 2030. And that's going from like zero today, right? So yeah. that's pretty fast. But you're going to need some charging to go with that. And and we, we've we been writing about some of these charging suppliers. The SPACs are real hot and heavy after them right now. And, uh, you know, Proterra is one of these companies that, uh, you know, Daimler's tied up with, uh, you know, to get charging. So so at this point, I think I'd still rather have a tank full of gas to put in my vehicle. Thanks,
0: Alan. Hey, people want to learn more about this space. They want to read your articles. Where should we send them to?
4: Hey, I got to take a plug here. Can I have a quick plug for oh, one Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So, Truck Talk, which is our, our new weekly newsletter, uh, covers uh, lots of stuff from a perspective and context uh, end, as well as kind of a wrap-up of things that maybe we didn't get to write about during the week. comes out on Fridays. This Friday, it begins as a subscription. You can uh, you can go on the subscription page of com and click Truck Talk and then uh, sign up for it. We're seeing a, a nice start. We're getting close to 500 uh, subscriptions. Oh, hey hey hey, 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 <laughs> hey. A little bell for you. you. Yes, nice. We we need to double that. No, I'm trying oh, <laughs> at okay. least. But, but seriously. Oh, um, the subscription is not the yeah. bell. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> More cowbell cowbell. This my first Cowbell. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that that's where we want you to go. I want you to, go to truck talk on Fridays and uh, catch up with us there. But um uh, a a Adler at freightwaves.com and Alan Adler or at Alan Adler on Twitter. Um so, so there you go. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Pretty Before much. we let Even you go, there's
0: one more plug, though. Tomorrow, we're we're covering automotive at this event, aren't That's we? Right. I believe you have a, a talk or two at that. Uh, tell us what we're in store for tomorrow.
4: Okay. So tomorrow, we've got uh, quite a few, actually, five that I'm involved with, plus oh, wow. some
0: others. Wow. Uh, oh, you're, uh, like, in the Eric Coolish role, like where Eric was on Monday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ellen Adler Thursday. <laughs> Dinner, <Thursday.
4: laughs> you know, I changed my shirt between, between them. Though. You know, I tried not to be the yeah, same Yeah, like color. you pulled a me, yeah. Yeah, right. I, 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 well, no, I could never do that. But you know, I changed my shirt. Anyway, uh, we've got quite a range tomorrow. We've got, uh, uh, we've got Craig Knight from Hyzon Fuel Cells. We've got, uh, I mentioned him earlier, Lionel Selwood from uh, Romeo Battery. We have uh, Richard Simons from Daimler, who is the aftermarket parts guy. That's a fascinating talk, by the way, uh, of what they're doing on the parts side of the business. And what else do we have? We've got Sam Amblesameed, who's a, an analyst that. I talked to you quite a bit. Sam's this really smart guy, I trained as an engineer and uh, auto, uh, automotive journalist, and now an analyst for uh, Guidehouse. And who's our last one? I can't remember. But we've got you know, maybe those five. And I'm pretty sure Craig Fuller has uh, has the uh, chief technology officer at Ford uh, leading off tomorrow for keynote. Right. Yeah, so we're beautiful. A pretty good day.
0: Thank you so much, Alan. And for those of you who are listening to this on demand, maybe you're listening to it after Automotive Day. Again, all of these sessions will be uploaded to our FreightCast podcast feed. If you like audio, just look up Freightcast. On your favorite podcast player of choice there, you'll find every single Freight Waves podcast all on one convenient feed for free. Or if you want to watch it on video, download that Freight Waves TV app or go to live.freightwaves.com. Now, Alan, he plugged a newsletter. Well, we have a newsletter, too, right here on What the Truck. It comes out Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT to subscribe. Or if you're listening to this on audio, just go into your show notes. There's a link to subscribe. And it's Wednesday, so let's go inside the newsletter. And this was an let's interesting enjoy. one this week because the market shifted quite a bit. You know, we were seeing the impacts and the repercussions of all of those storms in Texas, um, and what happened was that volumes went down last week, but not at pace with capacity. Correct. So Ray started to elevate very, very quickly. Tender rejection started to go up very, very quickly. Zach Strickland wrote, it's, it's Zach Strickland wrote in his chart of the week, it's not unusual, but it's not unusual. It's not, and it's also not as rare as one may think for capacity to tighten volumes to decline simultaneously. However... This week's a different story, right? Because volumes are up uh, 5.7% and they're going up at a quicker pace than capacities is being restored. So that means one, more than one in four loads are being rejected. 27.59% of loads are being rejected. That's a, that's a big number.
1: Yeah, it's a huge number. That's a uh, uh, middle-of-the-pandemic uh, number. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that is that is a huge number. And because infrastructure was was hit, right? I mean, normally yeah. we see this stuff around holidays where this type of thing happens, not in the middle of the off-season, which is catching everybody off guard. But then you have the infrastructure with the ice and the power and, and water and everything is no fuel uh, moving stuff. So it's really hit it, hit it hard, particularly in reefer.
0: Yeah. Well, which what, is, what are
1: we so, paying for reefer right now? So right now, yeah. Three dollars and seventy four cents. It's up forty cents in a week. Wow. That's a national average. So yeah, that it, it has affected it tremendously.
0: Well, here's another thing too. I mean, if you're just talking about dry van, because you know a lot of you dealing with mixed freight too, not just reefers, yep. you got the dry van freight. Two eighty five last week by press time on the newsletter. Um, they were looking at the fundamentals, right, of, of mm-hmm. just declaring what the spot rate was, what the, what the national spot market rate was, and they had to do some due diligence on this because it had elevated so much. It landed at three dollars and eleven cents right now, and in previous weeks uh, in late January leading up to this, I heard from a lot of drivers saying, hey we're way under average yeah, I'm starting to hear people are getting above average again, and that is because capacity is getting harder to find those market dynamics that work they don't always catch up and they don't always meet in the middle no,
1: they don't, but you can certainly see the trend that's going on yeah. right now and it's and it's and it's difficult if you're a shipper. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we haven't even talked about what's going on at the, the, the port of the West Coast ports right now, the, right. the West Coast port crisis of 2021, where on any given day, there's, be, there's been between 50 to 32 ships at anchor just waiting for, for birds. And, you know, you guys talk about reefer, you talk about these containers, you know a lot of those. You got clothes in there, they're out of season. They're yeah. yeah, that's you, exactly right. You got certain TVs, model numbers out of season, they're gone.
1: Yeah, how much? How many? How many many billions of dollars are sitting out there? That's already it's it's done. Its shelf life's over.
0: It's over. It's just lost money. We talked to Rick Bridges from Roanoke Trade on what the truck on a previous episode. He was talking about the billions that are lost at sea. But the bigger problem is not just the inventory. It's the uninsurable, and part of that uninsurable is the relationships that are damaged. I'm sure you're all. You're all dealing with this on one end or another. You're either you're either the carrier who's getting yelled at by the shipper because you can't get your goods there. Yeah. You're the shipper who's getting yelled at by the retailer because they don't have their freight yet. Mm-hmm. You're the retailer who's getting yelled at by the customer because there's nothing on the store shelves. It's bad. It causes Maybe you're, to go maybe other you're
1: a piton uh, uh, air freighting 400 pound uh, bicycles
0: and hot tubs and hot tubs <laughs> and hot tubs and hot tubs, hot as tubs on and airplanes Larocco would say. Hey, there was some other cool stuff that happened on Monday just to harken back from that, and we covered a little bit of it because I'm a dog lover, and we talked about Officer Biko. Officer Biko, he ordered he, – uh, he earned his biscuit, right? Yeah. So CBP, they use these, these great narcotics dogs, and he came across – and there he is. Look at that beautiful German Shepherd. He, so look at that, that box of cereal there. Those Frosted Flakes – and this is weird to me. They covered those in cocaine. I, yeah,
1: I don't understand. Why I not read put this put like, why of cocaine in the box, right? Yeah. Why do you cover the frosted flakes? I mean, it, I mean, it, I, I don't know. How do you get them off? Like, how do you, do get you the, just
0: eat do you just shake them? it? I don't know. I
1: don't.
0: It seems bad, but it, you couldn't trick Officer Biko. Officer Biko was on the caper and he found uh, what was it? Forty four pounds of cocaine. worth yeah. Two point eight million dollars. By the way, I also saw another stat. You know, in Colombia, more cocaine than ever. Even the height of the Pablo Escobar rain came out in the past year.
1: Well, yeah, people are at home. COVID, do not damn anything coke? else to do, man. <laughs> so sit around, just, do a few well, lines. Then
0: you get all paranoid, you're putting uh, tin foil over the uh, yeah the windows and everything. Yeah, the blackout. I'm wondering
1: how that cocaine that that cocaine affects the non-nutritive cereal varnish Ooh. that Griswold has on those forearms.
0: Yeah. Or if the uh, or if the, the flakes still get rough and you people, yeah, it perks <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah, he wasn't the only one though. It's dogs were in the news, and dogs dominated the newsletter because <laughs> there was also we were looking at the bombs and COVID over at American Airlines and at the American Airlines <laughs> Arena in Miami. And you all you all know about bomb sniffing dogs. There wasn't really you know that's not new information. But Eric Harris, the CEO of Global Canine Protection, He was talking about these other uses for the dogs and how they're becoming so much more valuable than just cargo screening. Because even at the Miami Heat game. They're they're sniffing for COVID-19 on people coming into the stadium.
1: Yeah, and the the players as well. It's part of their protocol, their daily checks or whatever, right? And and to have the dogs do that, which is, it's really crazy that they can do this. I can't even fathom how how much more useful dogs can possibly be.
0: So there used to be this. So there was this... uh, there's this old folks home in um, mm-hmm. in Quincy, Massachusetts. Okay. And there was a story that was in the Boston Herald about this cat. And this, you could always tell when someone was going to die because the okay. cat was like the Grim Reaper. It would sit <laughs> on the people the day before they died. And it was like 99% accuracy. So like people were like scared of the cat. It's like the cat, yeah. was like death wish <laughs> cat, right?
1: A dog comes in your room. You die of a heart attack. After yeah. a while,
0: it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Well, here look, the FDA <laughs> says that that's an pr- approved method. Um, not, the, not the cat sitting on dead people. The, the, uh, the dog sniffing <laughs> (laughs) the COVID. However, in Germany, there's the veterinary clinic over there that says these dogs have been 94% um, accurate according to the World Economic Forum in, in doing it. So all i got to say to wow. the FDA is I contend that dogs are awesome and I, I trust them in I'm such with a you. situation. Dogs are,
1: dogs are pretty awesome. 94% accuracy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now That's as we
0: mentioned, good. if you guys enjoyed this show, we come on three times a week. We'll also be live at this event every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But typically when we're not in an event cycle, we're on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern Time. You can find us at FreightWaves.com, tv.freightwaves.com, FreightWaves LinkedIn, FreightWaves Facebook, Facebook, um, the Freightways TV app. You yeah. On there, right?
1: Yeah, you probably watch it on that uh, TV we gave away. Yeah.
0: And then, oh, yeah, it's going to look great on it. Yeah, absolutely. Side. Well, it might look great, might not, depending on you know, what your taste is. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, exactly I'm not, right. I'm not deciding for you. I don't know. That's true. But if you that's want an true. audio, too, I'm a podcast guy. I like to move around. I have a hard time, if you couldn't, I have a hard time sitting still. I have a hard time sitting still in front of the TV. So I like to have the podcast on, I like to keep moving. So if you like that, all every single episode we've ever done of What the Truck is on demand, just look up What the Truck on your favorite podcast player. Or again, look up Freightcast and you get every single Freightwaves podcast on one feed. Another thing that's coming up is the Shipper of Choice nominations, and you guys in CPG know how important these partnerships are. We keep talking yeah. about it. You can go nominate someone right now. Maybe you can even nominate yourself. I'm not. I won't tell. Go to Freightwaves.com/soc. That's the quick link to get over to that form. You fill it out. You find out what's good. You find out what's going on. Yeah, you
1: got the easy URL to say.
0: Yeah. The <laughs> SOC one. I know you SoC. were trying to read the whole thing out with the HTTPs. <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole darn thing. You think anyone in our audience is about these NFTs yet? Before we went we were talking about non fungible tokens.
1: I don't know, but I wanted to ask. I, I don't, uh, yeah, non fungible to- I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. I'm not putting my money in there. But, you know, a follow up question to Alan uh, if he's, listen, Adler, yeah. is, you know, I get why he wants the gas, To run out of gas, because you can siphon gas from somebody else. You can sure. borrow it if they go by Will you be able to siphon um, battery power? I'm sure you figure out a way. You got to be able to figure hack out a way, it, right? right? Yeah. How to hack do you know it?
0: what hackers can do now? They can change the voltage in your computer to, to set your computer on fire. Wow. Coming up is the icebreaker, right? Are yeah. we going to are we going to lunch now, too? It might be lunchtime it as is. well. So those of you who are on demand, go yeah. get a bite to eat. And for those of you who are listening live, go get a bite to eat. Go stretch. We've got a ton more show coming for you come back to your desktop and click that icebreaker button just scroll down right under agenda there's the icebreaker button there go meet some friends you're at a conference right if you don't leave with a couple names and a couple business cards shame on you connect with me on linkedin timothy duner's d or on twitter at timothy duner find him at michael vincent or vincent the dude we want to hear from you Absolutely. stick with us enjoy some lunch and we'll be back with more show amen
1: peace and love peace and love